Chapter Twenty Seven of the Eye of Dread. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Robert Smith. The Eye of Dread by Payne Erskine. Chapter Twenty Seven. The Swede's Telegram. As soon as the shadows hid the young man's retreating form from the Swede's watchful eye, that individual quickened his pace and presently broke into a run. Circling round a few blocks and regaining the main street a little below the hotel, he entered the telegraph office. There his haste seemed to leave him. He stood watching the clerk a few minutes, but the latter paid no attention to him. "'Hello,' he said at last. "'Hello yourself,' said the boy, without looking up or taking his hand from the steadily clicking instrument. "'Say, I like it you send me something by telegraph.' All right, hold on a minute, and the instrument clicked on. After a little, the Swede grew impatient. He scratched his pale gold head and shuffled his feet. Say, I like it you send me a little something yet. He reached out and touched the boy on the shoulder. Keep out of here. I'll send your message when I'm through with this. And the instrument clicked on. Then the Swede resigned himself, watching sullenly. Everybody has to take his turn, said the boy at last. You can't cut in like that. The boy was newly promoted and felt his importance. He took the soiled scrap of paper held out to him. It was written over in a clear, bold hand. This isn't signed. Who sends this? You make it just like it is. I send dot. Well, sign it. He pushed a pen toward him, and the Swede took it in clumsy fingers and wrote laboriously, Nels Nelson. You didn't write this message? No, I work by the hotel, and I get a man write it. It isn't dated. Been carrying it around in your pocket a good while, I guess. Better date it. Date it? Yes, put down the time you send, you know. Oh, dat's notting. He no putty good when he get it. Very well. To Mr. John Thomas, State Street, Chicago. Job's ready. Come along. Whose job is it, yours? No, it's his job yet. You make it go tonight, all right? Good night. I pay it now, Vas. Well, good night. He paid the boy and slipped out into the shadows of the street, and again making the detour so that he came to the hotel from the rear, he passed the stables, and before climbing to his cupboard of a room at the top of the building, he stepped round to the side and looked in at the dining-room windows, and there he saw the young man seated at supper. All right, he said softly. The omnibus, sent regularly by the hotel management, brought only one passenger from the early train next day. Times had been dull of late, and travel had greatly fallen off, as the proprietor complained. There was nothing unusual about this passenger, the ordinary traveling man, representing a well-known New York dry-goods house. Nels Nelson drove the omnibus. He had done so ever since Elder Cragmile went to Scotland with his wife. The young man he had found on the river bluff was pacing the hotel veranda as he drove up, and Nels Nelson glanced at him and into the eyes of the traveling man as he handed down the latter's heavy valise. Standing at the desk, the newcomer chatted with the clerk as he wrote his name under that of the last arrival the day before. Harry King, he read, came yesterday. Many stopping here now? Time's hard, I guess so. Nothing done in my line. Nobody wants a thing. Guess I'll leave the road and go west, young man, as old Greeley advises. What line is King in? Do you know? 
Is that him going into the dining room? Guess I'll follow him and fill up. Anything good to eat here? In the dining room he indicated to the waiter, by a nod of his head, the seat opposite Harry King, and immediately entered into a free and easy conversation, giving him a history of his disappointments in the way of trade, and reiterating his determination to go west, young man. He hardly glanced at Harry, but ate rapidly, stowing away all within reach, until the meal was half through. Then he looked up and asked abruptly, "'What line are you in, may I ask?' "'Certainly you may ask, but I can't tell you. I would be glad to do so if I knew myself.' "'Ever think of going west?' "'I've just come from there, or almost there, wherever it is. Styles is my name, G. B. Styles. Good name for a dry-goods salesman, don't you think so?' I know the style's all right, for men and women, too. Like it out west? Yes, very well. Been there long? Oh, two or three years. Had enough of it, likely. Well, I can scarcely say that. Mean to stay east now? I may. I'm not settled yet. Better take up my line. If I drop out, there'll be an opening with my firm. Good firm, too. Ward, Williams, and Company. New York. Been in New York, I suppose? No, never. Well, better try it. I mean, to go west, young man. Know anybody here? Ever live here? Yes, when I was a boy. Come back to the boyhood home. We all do that, you know. There's poetry in it. All do it. Old oaken bucket and all that sort of thing. I mean to do it myself yet. Back to old York State. G.B. Stiles wiped his mouth vigorously and shoved back his chair. Well, see you again, I hope, he said, and walked off, picking his teeth with a quill pick which he took from his vest pocket. He walked slowly and meditatively through the office and out on the sidewalk. Here he paused and glanced about, and seeing his companion of the breakfast table was not in sight, he took his way round to the stables. Nels Nelson was stooping in the stable yard, washing a horse's legs. G.B. Stiles came and stood near, looking down on him, and Nell straightened up and stood waiting, with the dripping rags in his hand. "'Vell, I tell you he coomin back soon time. I've waiting long time already, but just luck, I told you, he coom. I thought I told you not to sign that telegram, but it's no matter. Didn't do any harm, I guess. Dat vas a fool, dat boy dare. He ask all time, vat for? Who write dis? You not, eh? Who send dis? He make me put my name dar. Den I get out pretty quick, or he ask yet vat is it for, a yob you got somebody, eh? Oh well, we've got him now, and he don't seem to care to keep under cover either. G.B. Stiles seemed to address himself. Too smart to show a sign. See here, Nelson, are you ready to swear that he's the man? Are you ready to swear to all you told me? It is better you give me a paper once, vit your name, dat you give me half dump money. Nels Nelson stooped deliberately and went on washing the horse's legs. A look of irritation swept over the placid face of G.B. Stiles, and he slipped the toothpick back in his vest pocket and walked away. "'I say,' called the Swede after him, "'you give me dot paper, eh? I can't stand talking to you here. You'll promise to swear to all you told me when I was here the first time. If you do that, you are sure of the money, and if you change it in the least, or show the least sign of backing down, we neither of us get it, understand? Again the Swede arose and stood looking at him sullenly. It is ten thousand dollars, and I get it half, eh? Oh, you go to thunder. 
the proprietor of the hotel came around the corner of the stable, and G. B. Stiles addressed himself to him. I'd like the use of a horse today, and your man here, if I can get him. I've got to make a trip to Riggs Corners to sell some dry goods. Got a good buggy? Yes, and a horse you can drive yourself, if you like. Be gone all day? No, don't want to fool with a horse. May want to stay and send the horse back. If I find a place where the grub is better than it is here, see? You'll be back after one meal at any place within a hundred miles of here, the proprietor laughed. Might as well drive yourself. You won't want to send the horse back. I'm short of drivers just now. Times are bad and travel light, so I let one go. I'll take the Swede there. He's my station hand. Maybe Jake can drive you. Nels, where's Jake? He's there in the stable. Shake, he shouted, without glancing up, and Jake slouched out into the yard. Jake, here's a gentleman wants you to drive him out into the country. I'll take the Swede. Jake can drive your station wagon for once. G.B. Stiles laughed good-humoredly, and returned to the piazza, and sat tilted back with his feet on the rail not far from Harry King, who was intently reading the New York Tribune. For a while he eyed the young man covertly, then dropped his feet to the floor and turned upon him with a question on the political situation, and deliberately engaged him in conversation, which Harry King entered into courteously yet reluctantly. Evidently he was preoccupied with affairs of his own. In the stable-yard a discussion was going on. Dot horse no goot in buggy. Better you sell him anyway. You yump by de cars all time, und he no goot by buggy. Well, you've got to take him by the buggy, if he is no good. I won't let Jake drive him round the trains, and he won't let Jake go with him out to Riggs Corners, so you'll have to take the gray and the buggy and go. The Swede began a sullen protest, but the proprietor shouted back to him, You'll do this or leave, and he walked in. Nels went then into the stable, smiling quietly. He was well satisfied with the arrangement. Shake, you put dot big horse by de buggy. No, tack de utter bridle. I don't drive him wit old bridle. He yump too quick yet. All time yumping dat horse. Presently, Nels drove round to the front of the hotel with the gray horse and a high-top buggy. Harry King regarded him closely as he passed, but Nels looked straight ahead. A boy came out, carrying Stiles' heavy valise. "'Put that in behind here,' said Stiles, as he climbed in and seated himself at Nels Nelson's side. The gray leaped forward on the instant, with so sudden a jump that he caught at his hat and missed it. Harry King stepped down and picked it up. "'What ails your horse?' he asked, as he restored it to its owner. "'Oh, nothing. He lacked yump a little.' and again the horse leaped forward, taking them off at a frantic pace, the high-topped buggy a-tilt as they turned the corner of the street into the country road. Harry King returned to his seat. Surely it was the Scandinavian who had walked down from the bluff with him the evening before. There was no mistaking that soft, drawling voice. "'See here. You pull your beast down. I want to talk with you. Hi, there goes my hat again. Can't you control him better than that? Let me out.' Nels pulled the animal down with a powerful arm, and he stood quietly enough while G.B. Stiles climbed down and walked back for his hat. "'Look here. Can you manage the beast, or can't you?' he asked, as he stood beside the vehicle and wiped the dust from his soft black felt with his sleeve. "'If you can't, I'll walk.' "'Oh, vas, I fix him. I leak him gut ven we come to place nobody sees me.' "'I guess that's what ails him now.' 
You've done that before. Yas, but if you no like I leak him, us you yump in, and I lat him run good for two tree mile. Dat fix him all right. I don't know about that. Sure you can hold him? Yas, I hold him so good he break yees ya off, if he don't stop it, ven I told him. Now quick, whoa, yump in. G.B. Stiles scrambled in with unusual agility for him, and again they were off, and the gray taking them along with leaps and bounds, but the road was smooth, and the dust laid by frequent showers was like velvet under the horse's feet. Stiles drew himself up, clinging to the side of the buggy and to his hat. How long will they keep this up? he asked. Oh, he stopped pretty quick. He like a little run. Tree, four mile he run, das all. And the Swede was right. After a while, the horse settled down to a long, swinging trot. Look at him now. I make him go all time like this. Ven I get my money, I half stable of my own, and den I buy him. I know him. I all time told Mr. Decker, dat horse no goot. I buy him cheap. You go and gif me dat money, eh? I see. You're sharp, but you're asking too much. If it were not for me, you wouldn't get a cent, or me either. See, I've spent a thousand hunting that man, and you haven't spent a cent. All you've done is stick here at the hotel and watch. I've been all over the country, even went to Europe and down in Mexico, everywhere. You haven't really earned a cent of it. What far are you going all over the world? What you got by dot? Spend money? Dot what you got. Me? I stay here. I find him. You not got him all over the world. I told you, of a man he kill somebody, he run away, but he go and come back where he done it. He not know it vat for he do it, but he do it all right. Look here, Nelson, it's outrageous. You can't lay claim to that money. I told you if he was found, and you were willing to give in your evidence just as you gave it to me that day, I'd give you your fair share of the reward, as you asked for it. But I never give you any reason to think you were to take half. I've spent all the money working up this matter, and if I were to go back now and do nothing, as I'm half a mind to do, you'd never get a cent of it. There's no proof that he's the man. You no need spend dot money. Can't I get reason into your head? When I set out to get hold of a criminal, do you think I sit down in one place and wait? You didn't find him, he came here, and it's only by an accident you have him, and he may clear out yet, and neither of us be the better off because of your pig-headedness. Here, drive into that grove, and tie your horse a minute, and we'll come to an understanding. I can't write you out a paper while we're moving along like this. Then Nels turned into the grove, and took the horse from the shafts, and tied him some distance away, while G.B. Stiles took writing materials from his valise, and sitting in the buggy, made a show of drawing up a legal paper. I'm going to draw you up a paper, as you asked me to. Now, how do you know you have the man? It is ten thousand dollars. You make me out dat paper, you give me half yet. Damn it! You answer my question. I can't make this out unless I know you're going to come up to the scratch. He made a show of writing, and talked at the same time. I, G.B. Stiles, detective, in the employ of Peter Cragmile, of the town of Lovite, for the capture of the murderer of his son, Peter Cragmile, Jr., do hereby promise one Nels Nelson, Swede, in the employ of Mr. Decker, hotel proprietor, as stableman, for services rendered in the identification of said criminal at such time as he should be found. Now, what service have you rendered? How much money have you spent in the search? 
Nothing. I got him. Nothing. That's just it. I got him. No, you haven't got him, and you can't get him without me. Don't you think it. I am the one to get him. You have no warrant and no license. I'm the one to put in the claim and get the reward for you, and you'll have to take what I choose to give, and no more. By rights, you would only have your fee as witness, and that's all. That's all the state gives. Whatever else you get is by my kindness in sharing with you, here. A dangerous light gleamed in the Swede's eyes, and Stiles, by a slight disarrangement of his coat in the search for his handkerchief, displayed a revolver in his hip pocket. Nell's eyes shifted, and he looked away. You'd better quit this damn nonsense and say what you'll take, and what you'll swear to. I'll take Hoffdot money, said Nels, softly and stubbornly. I'll take out all I've spent on this case before we divide it in any way, shape, or manner. Stiles figured a moment on the margin of his paper. Now, what are you going to swear to? You needn't shift around. You'll tell me here just what you're prepared to give in as evidence before I put down a single figure to your name on this paper, see? I done told you all dot in Chicago dot time. Very well, you'll give that in as evidence, every word of it, and swear to it? Yas. I don't more than half believe this is the man. You know it's life imprisonment for him if it's proved on him. And you'd better be sure you have the right one. I'm in for justice, and you're in for the money, that's plain. Yas, I thank you like it money too. I'll not put him in irons tonight unless you give me some better reason for your assertion. Why is he the man? I seen him, dot Tom, I know. He got it mark on his head, ver de blood run dot time, just the same, all right? I know him, he speak like him, he move his arm like him, yas, I know pretty good. You're sure you remember everything he said, all you told me? Oh, yas, I write it here, and he drew a small book from his pocket, very worn and soiled. All is here righted. Let's see it. With a smile, the Swede put it in the Stiles' hand. He regarded it in a puzzled way. What's this? He handed the book back contemptuously. You'll never be able to make that out. All dirty and... Yas, I read him. You not. Dot Swedish. Very well. Perhaps you know what you're about. And the discussion went on, until at last G.B. Stiles, partly by intimidation, partly by assumption of being able to get on without his services, persuaded Nels to modify his demands and accept three thousand for his evidence. Then the gray was put in the shafts again, and they drove to the town quietly as if they had been to Riggs Corners and back. End of chapter 27 Recording by Robert Smith, Chapel Hill, North Carolina